It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello everyone, and welcome again to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HR recruiters, and all those people who like to help people in business, including one actor. Uh, today, Dr. Destiny, you're gonna lead us in our discussion, and we're gonna focus on how your managers can capitalize on domino effect of employees' appreciation. That's a mouthful. Um, what exactly are we gonna talk about? Can you explain that to me a little bit more? Yeah, so um, there was actually a study in 2015. It was published in the Journal of Psychology, and 1,800 workers were uh, polled, and they were trying to determine just how important highlighting a team member's contribution is. And the author of the study concluded that, among other things, employee recognition positively promotes psychological functioning. And they also found that calling out employee successes actually promotes further recognition down the line. So, put simply, recognition has a domino effect of appreciation that might ensue. And so, and then they had a few quotes in there. One of them was, when you have a culture where managers shout out their team members, you eventually get to a place where your team members will begin to recognize each other for their work and contributions. This creates a culture where everyone is consistently reinforcing that behavior. Things as simple as shouts, uh, Slack shout outs, awards, monetary incentive. So, the domino effect is, you know, if you get called out, then you start calling other people out and then it kind of just creates that impact and effect. Does that explain? <laughs> sure, sure. But, but you know, I'm a grumpy CEO and I'm recognition. Isn't that what your paycheck's about? Sure. For some people, right? It's about that kind of uh, work love language that people talk about. So some people think that maybe, you know, the money will benefit or and some people would prefer to be just called out amongst their peers. So just really depends on the employee. Well, we got some reactions when I said that. Um, Linda Ann, let's go to you. <laughs> no, your paycheck is not your recognition. Your paycheck is, it's a, it's a expectation. It's a bottom line of what you are provided in return for your services. It is not recognition of excellence or a good job or participation or collaboration or teamwork or any of those things. And em employers need to understand that, that that is, you know, the, the, the transactional part of um, employment, and it does not contribute to um, satisfaction and recognition, all those kinds of things. And if you want me to stay on the soapbox any longer, I can do that. <laughs> well, actually, I want to go to Lee next because he put his hand up and I'm going, 
Lee, you're ex-military. You signed up for this. <laughs> so oh, why do you need recognition? Sure. Go straight there, Tom. Um, you know, the, the first thing I will say is that this is where it is crucial that you know your people. Um, because, you know, getting a shout out may be the worst thing that you could do for a particular person. And you get those people that just really don't want uh, the, the, to be noticed. And, and so you really, to be most effective with this, there's got to be some kind of a spectrum. You know, what, do you, what, what can you do? Uh, I know some companies will do a, uh, well, you're getting a recognition. Great. Here's a list of things you can do. And you can, you know, they, they, you can select things. Um, you know, there's some places where you can do, you know, add a voice to uh, your, your, uh, uh, your coworkers. You know, my company uh, that I'm currently with, we have, uh, you, anybody can put in a, a reward for someone else. Uh, I mean, not a monetary reward, but like we've got a, we've got, you know, a channel that they do shout outs and all that kind of stuff. And they'll be recognized by leadership and everything else. So, you know, we can do that for each other. Where a lot of companies, you know, still do the, you know, top down kind of thing. Um, you know, as far as when the military goes, I mean, it, you've got your formal ways, obviously, you know, awards and, you know, medals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's also letters of appreciation. Um, you know, sometimes there's, you know, team, team emails goes out and says, hey, you know, thanks to, you know, so-and-so who did such a great job on this. Um, and then there's the, the tangible things like, hey, you guys did a great job. Why don't you guys knock off at two o'clock today? You know, and, and for military, uh, that's huge. Uh, you know, for the Liberty Hounds, as we call them, you know, you want a little extra time off and I'm giving it to you. I'm gone. See you. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's there's just a cloud of smoke like in the cartoons, you know, when, and there's nobody there anymore. I mean, it's 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 a huge thing there. And now you've got that when you when you set that up, you've got that domino effect because, hey, wait a minute. You know, Joe did something good and got a half day off. You know, I want a half day off. What can I do? Um, and so, you know, yeah, it, it does. If it's done correctly, it can. Otherwise, you cannot. You can get that sour grapes thing. You know, oh, why did he get it? He didn't do it. It was my work. So you have to be careful with that as well. Yes, and sometimes celebrating people's birthdays at work is not a good idea. Uh, Doctor Martha, let's go to you. Lee brings up a good point of how important it is to know your people because what will be appreciated by one person may be dreaded by another. Imagine the introvert who is now getting called in front of a group to say something <laughs> and that's their worst nightmare coming true. So that is really, really important. You know, it's it's funny. I listen to this and you know, we have these conversations about this evolution or revolution uh, associated with work that we're all going through, right? And so companies and managers, leaders are faced with this necessity really to move forward and start exploring new ways of doing things and think of their employees in different ways. And yet somewhere in there is that belief you're getting a paycheck just what you said and we have study after study that shows that those are just the very basics the bare bottoms that's how you get someone to show up every day but if you want them to um, do extra if you want them to have that um, commitment to their job to the organization it's going to take something else beyond just that paycheck so it's so interesting how 
when we are all facing this big change and we're all learning as we go, there are some things that are dragging behind. And as we've talked about before, change can be difficult. And sometimes it's kicking and screaming because you don't have any other choice. And I think that's one of those things, not for everybody, of course, but for some where they are holding on to those old, old, old beliefs. Think about the the first industrial revolution. Think about times before unions came about. Why did unions come about? Because the working conditions were horrendous and people were dying and getting hurt and there was nobody held accountable for that. And so change had to happen as a way of accommodating uh, better conditions or bringing about better conditions. So this is kind of what we're seeing. Some people are still not going willingly, if at all, but it will have to happen. So yes, you're getting a paycheck, but you're going to get what you're getting, you know, what you're paying. That's what you're going to get in return. Unless you offer something extra, you're not going to get much more than a warm body. Oh, I think I'm back. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's becoming more and more amazing to me that I think you're absolutely right. This is the biggest change since the industrial revolution. The way we work is changing I think it's a little hard sometimes to you know see the change when you're in the middle of it. So maybe we can forgive people a little bit, uh, but it is coming. Uh, <laughs> so you know if you don't wake up, you might get left behind. Uh, at one point, you know the telegraph operator was you know the job everybody wanted because it was new technology. Ain't a lot of call for telegraph operators anymore, um, Doctor Destiny. I want to come back to you because if we can implement this and if we can do it positively. We've kind of talked a little bit about how you can sort of get the ball rolling and how if you are really good at establishing this, it will sort of. I think we lost Tom. How do we get there? (laughs) Okay, so we lost you for a second there, Tom. The first question I wanted to ask you back was, what is telegraph? No. (laughs) 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 You know, people like me are like. I don't know what that is. No, I'm just kidding. But no, really, you asked, I think you were kind of alluding to the fact of like how are asking, how do we get the ball rolling on this? And so, um, you know, I used to work for an organization where we would have kudos corner and there were times where it was super awkward, right? Where it was like, you know, but here's the truth. The truth is that people do want recognition real time. Even if it's, you know, whether it's personal, whether it's, you know, shout out, or it's as simple as a thank you for doing that. Everybody, you know, who's working and and really cares about what they're doing does want some form of recognition. And there's some, there's, there's more facts that kind of back this up and and it did from an organizational perspective. But for example, high performing companies are 1.7 more times times more likely than low-performing companies to have a rewards philosophy that includes frequent recognition as part of their business strategies. High-performing companies in a study in 2018 by HR Research um, showed that these were also these companies were also 10 times more likely than their low-performing counterparts to use their employee recognition programs as a competitive differentiator for their organization. So something else to think through. I know that I talk a lot with military people who are going, you know, to their first job post-service, you know, and Lee knows about that too. And a lot of them say that the company's culture is like the most important factor of their decision-making process. And a lot of people correlate culture with this recognition differentiator. So something to think about too. But that's got to come from leadership, right? I mean, if we're going to change the culture, it's got to come from leadership. So 
do we focus on the numbers? Do we want to tell them that, you know, here's here's how you increase productivity? Is, is that the way to go? I think it really goes back to, you know, something to think about whenever you think about culture is what are people saying about the organization, right? What are other people saying out there? And if if an organization is talking, you know, the, the employees are talking about being recognized and all of these things, and maybe that's more important than the numbers. I don't know. Just food for thought. So, so give me some insight as, as an IO, how would you come in and change that culture? Or is that the $64,000 question? I need to hire you to do that. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give all of my secrets away, Tom. Keep those, <laughs> keep those trade secrets close. Good idea. Linda Ann, let's go to you. I think some of this is is based on what the company values. What are its real values? In other words, if if customer service is a primary value for that organization, then <clears throat> making sure that you recognize superior customer service and things like that might be really important to your culture. And so I think that you have to be aware of that. And I know that some people um, feel uncomfortable with recognition, but in my experience, when it when you have an environment where employees are recognizing each other for, say, you know, jumping in on a project or helping them, you know, on a deadline, things like that, and they say thank you in a public way, you know, we've had different threads or whatever that where that would take place, but um, that I think that goes a long way, even if they're not the most you know out front kind of person. I think also that organizations need to realize that employee appreciation is probably one of the most inexpensive ways to take care of your employees. You do not need to spend a lot of money to make them feel valued. And when someone feels valued, they're more likely going forward to contribute. When they feel valued, they've, and you've got an opinion in a meeting, they're more likely to voice that opinion or voice that information or whatever it is so that you can, over time, really foster a culture of more creativity, more innovation, more safety in the environment. So there's so many ways, you know, the the domino effect is is real. Thank you very much. Uh, Does that domino effect also mean that if I'm in part of that organization, I see all this recognition, I also start to develop that sense of, I don't want to let the team down. And so even for those people who, you know, maybe aren't receiving the recognition, there's that positive effect of really sort of connecting and forming a stronger team that's going to be more productive. I think so. Now, the other side of that is there needs to be somebody doing some monitoring, right? Because you can really, it can really backfire. Those people who have different are on the most prominent project or whatever it is may get more recognition and you have somebody slaving away and they're feeling like they're left out or they're not recognized or they're not valued when they're not doing anything that's not valued. So there needs to be some monitoring. One time during a, a, a quarterly meeting, one of the things I did was hand out note cards to everyone in the in the meeting, and there uh, I asked them to write one thing that they appreciated about one person. So it was to a person. I asked them to write down in the note card one thing that they appreciated. I collected those note cards afterwards, and I made sure that no one was left out. 
and made sure that for those people who hadn't just um, organically received some kind of appreciation, all of the uh, top leadership um, was assigned some people to write what they appreciated about those people. And that did two things. One, it gave those individuals recognition from top management. And it also made top management think about what do I really know about this person? Yeah, you, <laughs> you took me back to elementary school where, remember Valentine's Day? <laughs> and if you didn't get a Valentine's card and thank you to the teachers that went, you have to do a card for everybody. <laughs> uh, Laura, let's go to you. I think listening to the conversation has brought me back to this idea of IO is very much a scientist practitioner model. So if you think back to learning psychology and how do you change behavior and you go back to positive reinforcement and the true definition of positive reinforcement is increasing the likelihood of behavior will occur and by adding something beneficial and you're going to look at the people from an individual standpoint. So we've been talking about the idea of knowing your people. So if you're going to have a, an appreciation, it needs to be valuable to that person, knowing your individuals, knowing your people and adding that value, valuable appreciation to that individual, but then broadening that bubble with what Tom was asking about. Well, then do people get like a peer pressure to like, they get something good. I'm going to start doing better. I'm going to push that performance level up. So I get that appreciation. And so we're including elements of learning and behavior change and behavior modification. And we're talking about social elements all within um, this practitioner lens. And so that's, I'm, I'm like geeking out listening to the conversation. Just wanted to give that like cute little summary. But then also <laughs> one of the other things Tom mentioned was the building on like the business, right? What are the business benefits of it? And so you might get an increase in productivity and performance because of that social bubble expanding of people wanting to also get recognition and value, right? And I think there's another element of turnover. If people are increasing engagement because they feel valued, then you might be reducing turnover elements as well. So you, you may not get a huge leap in productivity and performance, to get that return on investment element, but maybe you're, you're saving money by reducing turnover in your appreciation efforts. So there's different dimensions that I think the managers can use the appreciation to benefit their companies without it necessarily being the really obvious uh, productivity one. It was interesting as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is great advice for raising kids. Um, mm -hmm. are, are, are we not building families and organizations? Can we look at it that way? I think there's a lot of elements. I found this theme and trend a lot where you can take aspects of, of parenting and dealing with small children and apply it in organizations. And um, I have a little pet project on this. So I think it's really funny you brought that up. So um, I think there's that. You could, you could frame it in a parenting and a, a building a family element, but I don't think it necessarily applies in that you don't want your managers to be considered parents. You want them less of a parenting and authority role and more in a mentoring um, capacity. That's how I've always interpreted it. And I've always felt it goes better. Um, but I, I can't like whip out the, so, the so research document to support my argument on the fly. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> research. We don't need facts. Um <laughs> So don't treat them as kids, but maybe treat them as younger siblings. Um, maybe that would be a better way to go. Uh, Jeannie, let's go to you. 
Well, I um, have a couple of points here. Um, I've read studies where the first um, thing is where you have, it takes five positive comments to negate the one negative comment you might make to that person. And so when looking at any kind of behavior modification, um, I happen to agree that not necessarily parenting um, organizations, but at the same time, I look at my kids and I look at how I treat my kids. And it, it is, in a sense, the same thing. As adults, we are just grown up kids. Human behavior is human behavior around anywhere you want to place it. But the fact is, I don't even look at parenting my kids as parenting my kids. We're trying to help them be better people. And I try to use more positive reinforcements than negative because we want to build people up to be better people. And in the organizations, in our children, in any organize, in any in any fact of life, we we want to focus more on the positive than the negative. So um, that's that's all. Well said. I agree 100 percent. Lee, let's go to you. You know, the first thing that comes to mind based on what. Jeannie just said is that uh, I read somewhere that we don't truly grow up. We just learn how to act in public. So, uh, but yeah, there's several things with what uh, Linda Ann and, and Laura said that just really, you know, the, the you have to be very careful because uh, this is what, one reason that I, you know, bringing an alien is, is so important because when you go into making one of these programs, there is, there is a, a spot where you're, you're crossing over into manipulation and, so you have to be very careful. You need somebody who kind of knows what they're talking about to make sure you're not trying to manipulate your employees to get more out of them, that you're actually trying to encourage the team building and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I love what Linda Ann said about making sure that everybody got something, you know, because this is not the participation trophy kind of thing. This is if somebody is always recognized and someone is always not. You know, they're going to have very, very different reactions. They, you know, and I think of going in some place where you see like employee of the month wall and it's the same picture all the way across, you know, and, and uh, you know, we've seen it all in, in, you know, movies and whatever else where you see that guy and then you got the other, rah, 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 you know, that guy. And, you know, and a lot of companies are actually have done away with uh, employees of the month and that sort of thing uh, from a, a an equity standpoint. So, there are actually two com potentially competing things going on here. One is recognizing people to, you know, you know, reinforce the behavior and all that kind of stuff. And the other is not making anybody stand out because we're all on, you know, the same thing. So there's a there's a, a an interesting juxtaposition there, depending on your your organization and the way your organizational culture is. Because some organizational cultures, what we're talking about is just not going to fly because. Everybody's the same. Nobody gets a standout. Uh, you know, nobody gets a gold star. And, and so then it makes this even more challenging because you can't do that because of the way the culture is. Um, and, and honestly, a lot of this, too, it reminds me, of, you know, to paraphrase Sir Richard Branson, he said that, you know, not don't worry about the, the customers. Take care of your employees and your employees will take care of you. And, uh, you know, that's so true, because if you have well taken care of and happy and satisfied employees, they will make your business grow. They will be uh, they will be your your advocates. They will be out there talking about how great the company they work for is. And all of a sudden people are like, I want to work there. Or what do they make? Maybe I need to, to purchase their widget instead of the other widget because I hadn't heard anything good about that other company. You know, I mean there's there's so many, you know, the domino effect is a lot more than just, you know, 
happier employees, you also can, that can spread on out to some serious ROI as far as business. Do you think, Lee, like as we're moving towards this new paradigm of work, that one of the things I'm noticing is a lot of the weight of this change is on managers and how they treat their employees and and really leadership. So do you think we're going to see a change, maybe it's already happening, but this evolution of leadership to this more positive style leadership where we're trying to really enhance the way our employees feel, they feel good about what they're doing at work. Do you, do you think we're going to see much more sort of a positive model of leadership in the future? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, because when it comes down to it, the onus is on leadership for all of us. I mean, you know, uh, little Timmy, who's the, the the most junior guy on the team, you know, he may be very positive and happy to be around, but he's probably not going to change the company culture all that much, at least not until he becomes, you know, that leader. Um, and when you look back through Industrial Revolution and all this kind of stuff, when you look at the pros and the cons, it all came from the leadership. Um, you know, somebody mentioned unions earlier. Well, the formation of unions came from poor leadership. So, you know, it, it all ties into that. But yeah, I think as our, our society changes and as we put more focus on psychological safety and mental and emotional health uh, and, and uh, you know, life balance and all this kind of stuff. See, I don't even use work-life balance. It's just life balance because it's all part of your life. And if your life is not balanced, you know, things are things. But not good things are happening at that point. So, yeah, I think that uh, as the, the generations move, as we learn more, as we get more IOs out in, into the world, honestly, to teach us these things that, that they don't know about, I think, yeah, I think absolutely you're going to see uh, the ones who survive, the companies that survive, let me put it that way, uh, are going to be the ones who, uh, you know, take this on board and start to realize that, you know, the people are like the tires on your car. You, you, you're not going very far without them. You know, they're, they're kind of crucial. And uh, we got to take care of them. Ladan, let's go to you. I want to bring up the point of making sure that <clears throat> when you acknowledge someone or, or someone's contribution or their behavior, that it's a positive, it's a behavior you want repeated. And the reason I say that is because often, and this was more so, uh, before the pandemic, you know, because things have changed somewhat, I hope, um, with remote working and, and so forth. But often it was, you know, oh, so-and-so stayed till midnight last night and did such a great job getting this out. And then they're, you know, this is a person who stays late all the time. And, you know, the person who's in at 6.30 or 7 in the morning isn't getting that same recognition, even though they're putting in the same hours. So you have to be careful about a couple of things. One, is it reinforcing a behavior you want to see? Uh, is it a recency effect kind of thing where that's just the person you are around? There's three steps out your door. So you notice it the most. And, you know, so there's a, there's a couple of things there. And then now, you know, reinforcing those kinds of things. Well, you don't know if somebody's working from home for three days a week, you don't know what the hours are that they're working or if they're working late or not. So you need to, leaders need to be very careful about um, what they are acknowledging and reinforcing, because if someone's working till midnight, are they managing their time well? Are they being assigned work correctly? Are they, you know, those kinds of things. So you have to really think about it and make sure you're paying attention to those elements. The other thing I want to say is for some people, you know, there might be that person who's, you know, a brand new employee, hasn't made huge contributions yet, but 
you wouldn't have hired them if you didn't need them. And so when my daughter was in uh, sports, there was a 24 hour rule, right? If you, if they didn't have a good game or whatever, you weren't allowed to talk about the game for 24 hours. Um, but what you could say was, I love watching you play. It was no commentary, right? So what just saying thank you for being here, you're an important part of the, the project team or whatever can go a long way. Just that I know you're here and I appreciate you showing up and doing your job. It's so much easier to say negative things than positive things to people. It's also easier to believe negative things, right? If I take a, a piece from Pretty Woman, um, <laughs> it's easier to believe negative things because we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. So, yeah, we need to be careful about that. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. As I listen to this conversation, I think about how important all of this is. And sometimes companies may have a half-hearted approach to something or may start something and hope that it develops organically. But Linda Ann brought up the uh, point of how important it is that somebody monitors what's going on. If you have things such as recognition, um, making sure that at some point everybody's recognized or you know, the idea of the same guy being the employee of the month. And when you think about, unfortunately, even though we're all adults with jobs, you still find cliques at the office. You still find, you know, groups that include, include some and exclude others. So you really do have to approach this seriously and not just kind of half-heartedly and hope for the best, because I think it can backfire and create more damage than what an organization may have hoped for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Laura, let's go to you. I have a question for the group, actually. So when I was looking into this topic, I found the Motivating by Appreciation Inventory and written by uh, an individual who wrote the five languages of employee appreciation or something like that. Five languages of appreciation in the workplace. There we go. And it's based off of the five love languages. So as someone who's done a lot of contract work with support and resiliency agencies with the military, the five love languages is like everywhere. We love talking about it and talking about relationships and your five love languages and things like that. So I was interested to see this and it wasn't something I was familiar with. So for example, in doing all my resiliency support agency stuff, we always reference the original five love languages. I hadn't realized until researching for this chat today that there's a workplace version about appreciation and things. So I wanted to throw it out to the group. Is anyone familiar with this inventory? Has anyone used it? Does anyone have experience with it? I've literally like had 10 minutes or less to research about it before coming online. So maybe it's not even valid. If anyone knows that? Like I just figured I'd ask. Anyone familiar with the uh, motivating by appreciation inventory? Well, let me ask you, Destiny, because I'm pretty sure this is something that Jeremy has talked about. It is. And so I don't know the the facts on whether or not it's validated. However, um, in a past work environment, we have used this concept. And that's why I brought it up earlier that the love languages, because it's something that, you know, I worked with a team of IO people. So we, we did feel like it was necessary to tap into what's out there you know, and, and kind of use that. So it is something that can be used, even if maybe it's, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if the inventory is valid or not, but there is something there with how people want to be 
appreciated or, you know, how they want to be recognized for their contribution. I think we might have to get another episode and entitle it Dr. Jeremy in the language of love. Um, how are we doing on this topic? <clears throat> have you got any more research for us or, or some examples of how this has been effective or maybe not been? Yeah. So I thought this was another interesting kind of uh, pathway into the conversation here that there's been some research that says, and we've kind of talked about this, you know, we seek belonging, clarity, meaning, and have a psychological need for recognition, but peers are relying more on each other to fulfill those needs in organizations rather than organizational leaders. So Uh, There's actually a study done by over 300 organizations, um, and what it basically showed was that peer-to-peer employee recognition is essential and has a greater impact on financial results more than manager-only recognition. And so who you work with is becoming more important than who you work for. We often think of employee happiness and satisfaction as being manager-driven, but now the workplace becomes more cross-matrix, collaborative, and bottom-up, the importance of coworker relationships could grow. And people are actually deciding whether or not they are uh, basically satisfied with their job based on their coworker interaction. So it's interesting to think about because maybe that could have something to do with that emotional support mechanism that we've kind of brought into this. And also maybe some of that recognition as well. You know, it it makes me think like, how would I feel if somebody that I was working with was recognizing somebody more than, you know, maybe me and we're friends or maybe same thing. So it's just interesting to think about from that perspective as well. Well, work can also be competitive too. So, you know, being competitive and somebody else is always getting their recognition uh, would make me not want to work there anymore. Uh, When we talk about recognition, one of the interesting things that I'm seeing that seems to be a trend moving forward, especially with remote only companies, is they don't, when it comes to praising their employees, they don't really focus on how busy they are. They focus on how much they get done. So if, you know, if you can get it done in three hours, and it's an eight-hour day. It's like Lisa said, you know, take the rest of the day off. So do you think that is one of the areas that we, you know, as leaders should be looking at is it's it's not maybe more less and less about how hard you're working, because we can always find a better way to get the work done. Usually it's about how much is accomplished. Yeah. People are shaking their heads. Well, let's go to you, Linda Ann. I just wanted to kind of build on what Dr. Destiny said and that some data shows that people are less likely to leave an organization if they have a good friend at the organization. And so that peer relationship is extremely important in um, employee satisfaction with an organization. It's a lot more fun to go to work in the morning if you like the people you're actually working with. Uh, (laughs) It's not very much fun if you don't. Dr. Martha, oh, sorry, Jeannie, let's go to you first. Well, I just wanted to um, back you up on what you had said, Tom, about how um, you have to look at how hard someone is working, where you might have differences of our workers, where you might have someone who is able, in in my industry, I work in healthcare, so I might have one clinician who can take 10 visits, where another clinician can take 15. They might be more seasoned. They might be more experienced or they just might be more motivated because they get paid differently by, you know, pay per visit. So there's a lot of different factors to be considered and it doesn't make one person's contributions any less important than another person. So uh, people like I think Linda Ann had mentioned it, 
you have to be able to acknowledge every person's contributions, even how small or large they might be. I've had some instances where management has stated that the kudos was given, but can't be officially given to a person because of the way that kudos was brought about. It was bringing one person up while disparaging another person. So we can't give the kudos because of the way in which it was brought up. Doesn't matter that the person's kudos was valid, but because it was disparaging someone else, the kudos could not be given. So that's discouraging um, in that sense. So we do have to be careful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Well, so many things. So one thing, uh, going back to what Linda Ann said about being careful, what kind of behavior you're recognizing? Is it the kind of behavior that you really want to reinforce at the workplace? That is so important because she's right when she said, maybe that person has poor time management skills, right? They stayed till midnight or maybe they were surfing the internet all day long and then realized they had a deadline. That doesn't make them a hero, (laughs) but somebody else might see them a hero simply because they stayed late. And that made me think of an employee that I had who would just do nothing all day and would every day have overtime on his timesheet because he would get his work done after hours. And it was done by design. They did, you know, he did this on purpose. So you really have to pay attention to what's going on within the organization. And then the other point that you brought up, Tom, you know, I think it's so important that we move away from this idea of being there for the entire eight hours or 10 hours or whatever. And focus about what are you accomplishing? Because this is how we discover better, more efficient ways of doing things. It's lunacy to put in eight hours for the sake of putting in eight hours if you can get it done in four. And if an organization is hung up on, well, I'm paying you for eight hours, come on, like, come on, you're really stuck in the past here. You are going to demotivate that person from finding more efficient ways of getting things done if you are punishing them by forcing them to stay there or dumping more work on them for the remaining four hours just because they accomplished something that should be recognized. Yeah, there's a lot of change that needs to occur. Uh, Noel, welcome to the stage. I mean, your mic and share your thoughts with us. Uh, Yes. Uh, So two things stood out for me there. Uh, The the recent point you made about this, I even wrote that quote, is not what you put in, but what you put out. It's a very common phrase within remote work setups where they look at your output. Okay, this this usually takes six hours, but you didn't do it effectively, whatever. Can you rework the product? They don't. Because of the challenges that you may be encountered a specific project, for example, which if you're done in, in office setup, people actually see that, okay, I actually took eight hours of working together on a project. So I think that's where remote work setups um, have a challenge because sometimes you look at the product, you look at the output and someone, you know, it's not a, of, of good quality, people of different abilities in different settings. Some as an instance where I took three hours on a certain project because I had experience in that regard, just transcription editing, and someone took eight hours. And then now they'll be flagged, but why are you taking eight hours? You know, um, So then especially in ed, ed tech or in tech in general, there's this focus on, okay, uh, the product, um, how much have you put out? You know, And then little reflection of how much have you put in? 
So I think it becomes important to measure employee well-being that it leads to you know to high turnover when someone can't keep up with standards of the group. Setting back to the concept of the family, um, I don't know how many of you have um, been seeing this concept of quiet quitting, you know, the global conversation, um, and how it has been shaped around you know people challenging the perception of companies wanting to be families and some people don't see family as a positive thing especially amongst millennials and gen z's um where the conversation becomes some families can be you know this is how we think you know if you don't think in this a, a group thing setup um then there's a problem so sometimes family orienting um language within you know employee setups can be can be harmful in those in those situations especially in remote settings where um some people then self-censor themselves and focus on just doing the work back to the point of quiet quitting, doing the bare minimum and not contributing to company culture because they feel like they are not part of this family. It, it establishes like a huge clique of which if you don't participate in specific attitudes or opinions, you know, you may just be shaped out, you know. So it, it, it's a, I think it's a tool, it's a, it's a double-edged sword that family can, can encourage, um, you know, good values of togetherness, but it can also encourage certain, especially when people have different perceptions of family, you know. Um, so yeah, those those two points struck out for me, but specifically this, this point about putting in versus putting out. Yeah, it, this is going to be a minefield. It's going to be so easy to go wrong. Maybe I need to hire an IO. Uh, Lee, let's go to you. Um, yeah, a couple of different things I want to I want to touch on because there's so much as you guys have put out. Oh my goodness. Um, so I was talking about earlier, talking about the, uh, you know, about your coworkers to to go back to, you know, the, the military environment. Um, a lot of times your leadership, your higher leadership, you don't even see them, you know, but, you know, once a day, once every couple of days, you know, you're in a work center. And so you get your your lower level management and your worker bees and then your your upper you know, maybe your your senior NCOs, your officers, or whatever, you may not even see them because they're off doing other things. And and sometimes you can even get the impression that when you see them, it's because something's gone wrong. So you have to be very careful about that. Um, and then to go back to the uh the eight hour thing, um, there's a there's a big trap there that could be possible if you are requiring the eight hours, because now if if I can do the job in four and you reward me by giving me more work. Well, guess what's not going to get done in four hours? So, you know, you can actually slow down productivity by requiring you to to full out that that full eight hours. And uh, I mean, I actually had one of my my assignments. We had an eight hour watch, which was you know you were actively on something, so you had to be there eight hours. But then what they they called a plus four, where you had to go to the admin office and do four more hours of general stuff. And a lot of times I didn't have four more hours of work, but I still had to be there. And, you know, there's no motivation going on there. Um, and then also with the, the clicks and whatever else, if you provide something that is uh, supposed to be a reinforcing kind of thing or whatever, and it's some kind of a group deal and the, uh, you know, it's, a, it's voluntary that you can do it, but it's supposed to be some kind of reward. But if you don't do it, then you got to be at work. So now if you're one of the people who doesn't really like the, I see Linda Ann's, because um, I've seen this on several times, especially in the military, where they're like, okay, we've got this event going that you can go, and this is considered your place of work. Uh, if you decide not to go, you're expected to be at work. 
And it's like, well, I don't really want to be in that social setting or whatever, but then I'm going to be punished because I have to be at work while everybody else is off at a, at a ball game or something. And because uh, actually that was one example. We uh, we went to a ball game as a command function and you could go to the ball game if you chose to. And if you did not, you were expected to be at work. And, you know, so there's there's some some definitely challenges there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I was probably thinking exactly the same thing I saw on the dance pace. But <laughs> But the um, and also, you know, when whenever I had the opportunity, you know, in in the military, when I had the opportunity to set my people's schedule, I would pretty standard say, I will let you off as much as I can, as long as the work is done. If you can be done by two, then you can go home. If if the work takes you till six, you'll be here till six. The, the flip side is you're here from 730 to 430 every day. Uh, you know, it's your choice. And I never had anybody choose option B. You know, they all said, hey, look, if we can get out early. You know, stay late every now and then, got it, done. And I had one of the most efficient shops out there because they were motivated to get their work done efficiently. And, and of course, I checked. So I made sure that they were doing the work correctly. You know, they weren't doing what we in the Navy call gun decking, where you just kind of halfway do it to where it kind of looks like it's all right. You know, we uh, we made sure that was not going on. But then I let my people go and, and they were pretty happy and pretty efficient. A great example of how Vixen actually worked. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you and Dr. Martha, off to you and after that. Yeah, I, I adhered to the same philosophy that, that Lee did, you know, when people, people have, this was again, when, when people were in work all the time, but e- even in a remote work situation, when they have to go pick their kid up or they, whatever it is that's going on in their family or home life, go take care of it. If you're worried about that, you're not doing my, your job well go do it and then come back ready to work for me. And, um, you know, and then, because then you, it's not a big deal. If I say we're on tight deadline, you need to work till seven or whatever, you know, do we need to do this till we get it done? There's that give and take, and that's kind of healthy relationship kind of things, you know? Um, I wanted to just reflect on something that Jeannie had said, and that was they were, someone was not allowed to give a, uh, kudo because there had been a disparaging comment part of that. And to me, that was an opportunity to teach people how to communicate well. Instead of saying, you can't communicate this, let's talk about how you're communicating it so that it can go out and you can um, learn how to communicate in a positive manner. You know, as far as the the work going out the door, you know, it's the output and not the input and, and those kinds of things and how it relates to quiet quitting, which is something that I it's almost as bad as it isn't your salary or reward. Um, if companies are providing accurate, complete job descriptions and someone does their job, they are not quiet quitting. They're doing their job. If they don't do that job, then you have a performance problem. But if they're not doing something that you're expecting them to do and it's not in their job description or communicated to them, they are not quiet quitting. They are doing their job. Yeah, they're just refusing to do the other stuff that's not on the job description that they're always asked to do. I mean, I think 90% of us have been living in that situation for the last 50 years. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. So a couple of things. Um, Lee's example made me think of a job that I had as a youngster, let's say, many moons ago. I worked for a small company where there was such a wonderful culture. Everybody got along. Everybody got done what needed to be done. Nobody watched you like you're in a prison cell. 
when we had a project with a deadline, it wasn't even a question. Everybody was happy to stay as long as we had to stay to do it. It was all about succeeding together and helping the organization succeed. And then we got bought out by a large company who went on a shopping spree buying out small companies. They moved us. They, the culture was completely different. And before you knew it, the employees and their attitudes and their performance changed because of how they were now being treated by this large company that saw you nothing as nothing other than a number. And it wasn't long before the, we figured out the company that bought everybody overextended themselves and then let go a whole bunch of people. So they created so much damage across so many companies. It was insane. So you really, really need to pay attention to what you're doing. The other thing that I thought uh, Noel said about being treated like family, I don't want you to treat me like family. I work for you. I already have a family. To me, that sounds very sneaky. Why would you come at me with this? We're all family here. I'm not family with you. I have a family. Treat me with respect. Take care of me as an employee. And you don't have to pretend to be my family. There's, there's an issue with that that obviously I have here. Good. I think I'm back. Um, well said. And it kind of reminded me of, you know, being an artist, I've spent a lot of my career working in the nonprofit or for arts organizations where you don't get paid a lot. But we all talk about how much we enjoy going to work, you know, and because of what we're doing and the people that we're working with. <laughs> but they understand that you better make it enjoyable. You better look after your employees because you ain't paying them a lot and they might move on. Uh, Noel, let's go to you. And then, uh, Dr. Destiny, I want to come back to you and let's talk about uh, what's going on. Yes, uh, there's this new culture emerging called startup culture, where people are being forced to invest in so much time and wear many hats, as I call it. And people, like you read a job description, and it, it, someone mentioned job description is a very important thing to, to mention, because sometimes you find, oh, there's a social media manager. You, you read further, oh, he's a content manager. Oh, he's actually a content writer. Wait, this is actually a public relations officer, and it's still the same job description. So the time they get to the company, there's no clear goals. They're doing everything. They're trying to meet this impossible, you know, uh, KPI to, 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 to achieve constantly. And you can't really measure, you know, um, the output of work there because they're, co they're constantly catching up with this impossible job description that, you know, many, you know, startups, you know, then say, you know, um, I can give an example in edtech. So in education technology, for example, um, I specialize mainly in instruction design, right? Then some companies will say, no, we also want someone who's good at graphic design, someone who's also good at learning technology, someone who's also good at um, facilitation. So by the time you're done, just be like, okay, attend the interview, like, okay, they want five jobs. Uh, okay, um, all right, what other companies saying? You know, you quickly move on because it's not clear as to what's required. And already one of these, yeah, Jesus jobs, you know, they literally do everything. And it's not clear as to, you know, uh, even the niche yeah, you're focusing on. You know, I, I I talk a lot about diversity, inclusion and belonging. And, you know, then someone says, no, I also want, can you also do finance articles? Can you also do this other, you know, the time you you want to, address, you know, I just applied because I had the opportunity to, to, to write content or diversity, for example, but now you want me to do finance, you want me to do sports. That was not my specialty. Like, you can also learn on the job. And it becomes then it inspires back to the point of quiet quitting because now you are trying to to make it make sense, you know. 
so which is why I don't like the term quite quitting because back to the point that um, was raised earlier that it's it's not about quitting per se, it's mainly about young people trying to reclaim their time to say, okay, we only do so much, you know, I'm not Jesus, I can do this in a specific time because sometimes job descriptions became, become so vast and you can't keep up, you know, especially you know, entry level, trying to get experience. And then, you know, many young people come to me and say, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to optimize my CV for this role because it has so much going on. And I even sit down for six hours and like agonize, how do I even try and make it make sense for this job description? So yeah, I think it, it, it's incumbent on then human resources people to 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 talk to the hiring managers to say, listen, this is what we want um, from a job description, clear goals, and removing vague things such as you want someone who can wear many hats, someone who can build from scratch, um, and engage with things that make sense at that point. Yeah, I remember looking at a job description that was three pages long and like. How many people are you hiring for this position? And you want me to walk on water? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I could do that. Uh, Dr. Destiny, uh, this has been a great conversation. And um, it feels like we've just sort of poked the surface of it. But we've got some other great things coming up with CBOC. I see there's a uh, members momentum session uh, on the 8th. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, it's... Um you know, just an opportunity to come together and kind of get your week going and be productive and figure out different kinds of tactics to get to, you know, the goal uh, at the end of the day. And you're right, Tom, we didn't really even like scratch the surface on this topic. We're actually going to do another conversation later on this month about the peer-to-peer support. And I want to kind of leave off with this last little thought, because I think that this is something that we didn't even really get to, but I think it's really interesting is that um, their peer-to-peer support and recognition helps reduce mistakes in the work. The Hawthorne effect indicates that people work harder and more carefully under supervision, even when supervision comes from peers. At the same time, an employee would reflect to herself and attempt to make equivalent progress as she nominates her peers. And results of peer-to-peer recognition efficiently assist managers in terms of performance appraisal, particularly for talent discovery and long-distance management. So, Today's topic was about what this means for managers. And so there, there you go with that lasting thought is that it can really help managers and their process uh, through talent discovery and long distance management. So just thoughts there. And that's probably a pretty good place to leave the discussion today. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for your contribution today. Thank you for all of those who are listening. And if you're listening to one of the podcasts Don't forget that you can come and join us at CBOC. Just check out the website. And next week, we'll be back and we'll be discussing how to clutch employee passions, ambitions, and talents. So join us and once again, share your thoughts with us. So thanks, everyone, for joining us once again this week. And we will see you in one week's time. And with that, have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seboc.com.